Hey friends, it's Dan Clayton here, managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com. Okay, everybody, we did it. We made it through an NBA offseason. Unless asteroids hit the earth in the next few hours, we will have survived the basketball-free hellscape and made it to opening night. And the Utah Jazz kick off their season on Wednesday night. So to talk about all of that, we have a rare treat here on the Salt City Hoops podcast to introduce you to some of the people you'll be hearing from the most this season. I spend a few minutes with each of the site's weekly writers to get their takes on the Jazz and this uh, this year ahead. Uh, so to be clear, this is just a small sampling of the great team that will be bringing the Jazz season to life this year. We'll also hear from some voices that have been associated with Salt City Hoops for a long time, like Clark, David, Laura, my brother Ken, Thatcher. We'll welcome some newer voices um, like Riley Gissiman and Dane Coles. We'll also have an extended network of people that you'll hear from occasionally. I won't list all of them, but suffice it to say, we're really excited about the team that has come together to make Salt City Hoops a place you can trust for some of the smartest, most fun, and extremely passionate coverage around the Utah Jazz. Uh, And core to that team are the four people you'll, you'll hear from in this podcast. Jimbo Rudding, Clint Johnson, Steve Godfrey, Tyler Crandall, and of course myself will be writing weekly for the most part. And I wanted to give our readers and listeners a chance to meet them as people, as writers, and as fans in this special edition of the Salt City Hoops podcast. Enjoy. I'm joined now by the man himself, Salt City Hoops humorist, mailbag artiste, uh, and and really at this point one of the longest and most established contributors at Salt City Hoops. It's Jimbo Rudding. Jimbo, I, I I was curious when I was thinking about doing this. Do you think you are more well known in the Twitterverse for Derek Fisher lied three times to get out of his contract, or for the Jimmer? Can I get a retweet stuff? Or for uh, being a Salt City Hoops mailbag person? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's um, it'd, probably, it'd probably be Derek Fisher, I guess. Because um, he did, in fact, lie. I don't know if you knew that or not. I don't know if everybody listening knows. But, yeah, he lied to get out of his contract three times. So hmm, I'll, I'll have but, to look um, that up. Can you think of a website where yeah. I can learn more about that? Yeah, you know, Wikipedia is uh, – it's <laughs> – it's got it's got a lot of good info on it. Or, but, uh, or you know, twitter.com slash Jimbo Ruddy, yeah. for example, is another place yeah, you, you can read a lot of history <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah, you can look you can look there too. It says it there a few times. But um but yeah, I, I would guess that. I I mean the Jimmer stuff, that's kinda old that's old school. I it's I mean he's he's been gone for a while and you know, I got my follow and I kinda left him alone, so <laughs> Yeah. Put a check mark next to that one. Um, yeah, he did have he did have 41 against an NBA team the other night. I, I think it took him 40 shots to get there, or around 40 shots to get there. But uh, you know, just uh, just one of your just one of your Twitter followers out there dropping 40s on on the Rockets. Yeah, and I think that's like if I'm doing my math right, that's a little over a point a shot, right? Is that is that efficiency pretty he, good? Or yeah, I mean, I don't, I, you I don't know. know. I, I'm sure the Shanghai Sharks will take it, especially when they, they lost that game by like 50 to the Rockets. Yeah. Um, it's actually yeah. been a fun preseason for all these all these games between NBA teams and non-NBA teams, like the Rockets and the, and the Shanghai Sharks. 
the Jazz and Perth. And and tonight, as we're recording this, the Jazz and the Sacramento Kings, another NBA team playing a non-NBA team. <laughs> yeah, I like I like leading by fifty at halftime or whatever it is. I'll, I'll take that any game. Well, let's let's uh, talk jazz for a minute. Um, you know, the idea is we want to just have all of our all of our kind of core group of writers weigh in on on the season ahead. What do you what do you expect this year from the jazz? Big picture, little picture. What do you what do you think lies ahead for the jazz and their fans? Yeah, see that just uh, that varies for me from game to game because if you'd ask me after the first Australian game, I'd say, oh man. I'd say 80, 80 and two maybe, but you know, you asked me after the the Toronto game, I'd say, oh man, I, I, we might get eight seed if we're lucky, just because they were working us big time, and and it, you know it's hard because it's preseason, right? So like, they don't really care. I mean, we care, but no one really. I don't know. It doesn't seem like the players are really getting after it, and they're just kind of going through the motions, maybe working on one or two things, and so it's hard to tell. But if I'm, you know. If I'm going to bet my own money, which I always do in Vegas, uh, I go there and put half of, you know, one of my cars at least on the season. Um, I'd probably put them at uh, 52 wins All right. and around four fifth again. I, I, I'm going to say they're, they, they, they go do about the same as last year, maybe. Okay, well, bookies in Las Vegas, stand warned. There's going to yeah. be a Chevy Nova wagered on jazz um that's right so uh what do you think what do you think are the are the topics that not enough people are talking about as it relates to the jazz what are the what are the things that will be surprising or or that we'll be talking about in january or february or even at the end of the season that we don't know today yeah you know i've been thinking about that i think i think rudy gobert is going to win another defensive player of the year. I just, that dude is just a beast. I mean, you look at him off of his 12 pounds of pure muscle that he's coming back from summer with, but I mean, he just looks ready and cut. And I mean, he just looks hungry. And I just, I, I can't think of another center rim protector as good as that dude. He is money and he's given people the business already. And I think I just, I don't think he gets enough. I mean, as good as he is and as much as people do talk about him, I still don't think it's enough. I, he's just amazing. So I'm going to put, I'm going to put that there. Um, I think one thing too, and I'm not, I'm not a Grayson Allen hater, but that dude is, is a, he's a little guy and he, he got worked by Nick Stauskas the other night and that was embarrassing. And I, I mean, I know he's a rookie and I know it's preseason, but, I don't know if, if he's getting beat like that, I don't know if he can stay on the floor. So I'm kind of worried about that. And, and I don't think people are talking enough. I don't think, I don't think he gets a lot of minutes next year. I, I really don't. Yeah. I mean, I, I want him to succeed. I want him to be that corner three guy, you know, the Steve Novak or whatever that we park in the corner and comes in 10 to 15 minutes tonight and hits four threes. I don't know. I just, I'm not seeing it quite yet, but yeah. So I want him to succeed. I just, I'm not. I think. I think he's getting a little bit more love than maybe he should, right now. Yeah, I'm actually right there I, with you on that. I. I just don't think, you know, I'm doing the rotational math, and I. And I just don't. I can't find the minutes for him, um, because, you know, there are the. There's the starting backcourt. It sounds like Exum is going to play as much as they can, 
you know, um, as much as they complain, they're really excited to, to finally see some things pay off with Exum. Royce O'Neal is really good, and, you know, he'll probably get some minutes at the two and the three. Um, Alec Burks, as, as odd as it feels to say this, because he's just kind of perpetually been like a cusp guy, but he's been like the first guy off the bench in a lot of these preseason games, whereas Grayson Allen, as, as you pointed out, Jimbo, Grayson has been uh, in in both of the games against like good NBA teams. Grayson was kind of punked in both for for stretches yeah. of, of those games. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of with you. I I think that the Jazz are gonna play the long game with Grayson, and and that might mean that for a while he's a guy who hears his number called only when someone is you know hurt, struggling, in foul trouble, or resting. Yeah, and I, you know it's funny too because. If he if Grayson Allen is playing big minutes, that probably means that we're not playing great basketball. Um, the the less he plays, the better I assume we are playing, right? I'm, I I don't know. I mean, we're kind of spoiled last year with Donovan Mitchell as his rookie year. Rookies don't usually a get that playing time and b produce that much. So it's you know it's hard to know what to expect. But yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to ask you, just out of curiosity, I don't think we've ever talked about this. I don't think I've ever seen this in a in a column, seen this in a tweet, um, seen this as a non sequitur right before you remind everybody that Derek Fisher lied three times to get out of his NBA contract. Um, who's who's your guy? Who's your jazz player that like you either your favorite or that you think is the best or just the guy that you kind of have this irrational when he's on the court, your your eyes are just kind of following him no matter what. Yeah, so we're talking about current current player then, right? Current jazz player, sure. Yeah, you know, I I'm a I'm a big Royce O'Neal guy. I I feel like I'm too old to buy a jersey and wear it, and you know, still not feel weird about it. And I I can't really that's that's my own problem, right? Like that's like my own mental problem. But I I looked I looked watched that guy play last year, and I've decided, you know what? If I buy a jersey again. I got I got Royce's jersey. I think just he's a he's a hard worker, and he doesn't try to do too much usually. And he but you know he he's not afraid. The favorite moment last year in the playoffs was when he bodied up Paul George and he got into him, and Paul George got mad, and he just stood up and walked over to him and was like, "Hey, what's up? You know, you, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be down. I know you're Paul George. I, I'm I'm not." I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna back down. And uh, I mean, I loved it. I, I mean, that's. I, I mean, that's you know, with Rubio's three at the buzzer and and Donovan and everything. But like that was my all-time favorite uh, moment last year. But he's, so yeah, he's my, he's kind of my guy. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. there are a lot of metrics that say that he is you know like scary elite good on defense, like better than better than still people really recognize he is on defense. And it looks like he's addressing some of the other stuff too, like being able to put the ball on the floor a couple times in a row and, um, you know, attacking when the jazz get opponents in the blender, um, you know, with ball movement out front. He's, I, I, I think, like I say, I think his minutes are pretty much guaranteed this season, even more so than someone like Burks, maybe even more than like, a Jay Crowder. Like I, like I think Royce is that high on the pecking order that, you know, he's going to be one of the jazz's front seven or eight guys. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I mean, his, uh, his defense against San Antonio, I don't, I'm sure most people remember that uh, at the end of that game. I mean, that, that was the win. That, that was the winning play. 
mean, he stayed down against Kyle Anderson and bodied up Ginobili. I mean, that was all on him. We won the game because of Royce O'Neal that, that game. And, and, I mean, I'm a huge defensive guy, a huge defensive guy. I, I believe in defense. You know, defense isn't sexy. It doesn't make sports center. But, man, does that win games sometimes. And I love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's how the Jazz are built. All right, well, I told you we'd make this quick, so I'm going to cut you loose. I know you have a busy week ahead. I appreciate you taking time to meet with us. Uh, you all can follow Jimbo on Twitter at Jimbo Rudding. Um, you can follow his mailbags at Salt City Hoops. You'll be hearing from him uh, most weeks. You know, early in the week, he'll drop a mailbag. His mailbags are hilarious. Um, I literally LOL as I get them ready to post every week. And uh, But as you can tell, Jimbo is also a... Um, a smart jazz fan, a passionate jazz fan, good eye for things. So we're lucky to have you, Jimbo. Thanks for joining us and uh, enjoy the season. Hey, thank you. And uh, watch for me on uh, my halftime act, hopefully sometime soon this season. <laughs> I forgot uh, about that it's, one. It's going to happen. You have, you have so many it's going to happen. I, I forgot about all of them. <laughs> so, all right. We'll, we'll keep an eye on uh, Red Panda. You know, watch your back. All right. All right, really happy now to welcome in one of the newest Salt City Hoops writers, but someone who's been part of the jazz blogosphere for some time. Uh, Tyler Crandall has been dropping smart jazz takes all over Twitter.com and some other outlets and came to us at the start of this season and uh, is going to be bringing his uh, his smart, impassioned takes on the jazz and the NBA to Salt City Hoops. Tyler, we're really happy to have you. Yeah, thanks thanks for having me on, Dan. Uh you know, now you've, you've set the bar really high at me being smart, um, definitely passionate, but we'll see uh, <laughs> how far my takes go this season. Uh, well, so so far you're batting a thousand, so. <laughs> it's good good to know. So uh, first thing we wanted to do, because, you know, the idea behind, behind doing this podcast and kind of introducing the, at least the core members of the 2018-2019 Salt City Hoops team Um was really for our readers and listeners to get to know you better. So just tell us how, how uh, we want to hear a little bit of your superhero origin story, whether that's how you uh, how you landed as as a Salt City Hoops contributor or, or how you became a jazz fan originally. Just uh, what's your what's what's your uh, origin story there, Tyler? Yeah, that's that's a, a good one. Um, to be honest, I grew up in Utah, and I think that anyone in this same generation it's it's probably a pretty similar origin story um i mean stockton and malone and enough said there's that's pretty much it um but i did grow up watching a lot of basketball with with my grandpa with my dad um you know their passion for the sport really um really led to me having an interest in it and i think I, i can probably share maybe one one good anecdote from from the next um era of jazz basketball with uh you know d will and and boozer um, but, I like anecdotes. Yeah, yeah, this is a good one. So in uh, Game Seven, I don't remember which which year it was, but it was Game Seven against the Rockets um, in the playoffs, and it was the same night as a dance at my high school, and so um, I knew that the dance was happening at the same time. So um, slowly but surely, um, people were trickling out of the dance floor, and we found our way to a classroom. Um, when I found it, there was already some people in there, but it was it was pretty much packed full with people just watching the uh, the jazz game. And I think that was a really good it was funny at the time and it still is funny. But um, 
I think that was a really good example of like how much people in Utah care about, you know, their, their jazz. Um, it's, it's important enough that, uh, people are willing to miss some highlights of their high school career and all, all that just for a, a playoff game. Okay. Well, I definitely have follow-up questions on this. <laughs> Number one, was your date upset that you left? Okay. That you left, or did she leave with you? She did not leave with me. Um, I think she had found some friends earlier and kind of ditched me already. So um, <laughs> I don't think she cared. Okay. Well, I, I guess that's better than, you know, like you winding up in the doghouse because you went to watch your team in the playoffs. Yeah. No, nothing like that. I mean, it wasn't, she wasn't my girlfriend. It was, it was a date. And I, I don't know if we even really talked after that. To be okay. Honest. Well, I mean, why, why talk if she wasn't interested in going and watching game seven, right? Uh, you know, it was memorable for me though, because the jazz won. So that's, that's what counts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a fun era. That was, that was, uh, that was basically the group that I sort of came up covering. Um, I started covering the jazz full time immediately after the Stockton and Malone years. Um, so the first team I covered was like the Carlos Arroyo, Matt Harpering, Andre Kirilenko, Jazz, and then obviously that morphed over the next couple of years. Um, you know, Booz and Memo were added, and then the, the summer after that, D-Will was added. And, and so that group is the group that I really got to know the best. Um, and, I have, and I have a lot of good anecdotes, including, by the way, and I don't know if this is spiritually similar to you <laughs> skipping out on the dance, but like, you know, in those days, my family and friends knew that, you know, my life, depended on when there was a jazz game night. So there were nights where, you know, I showed up late to New Year's Eve because the jazz had a New Year's Eve game and everyone just knew that was part of the deal. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's very, very similar that we're all just a little bit crazy when it comes to <laughs> making sure we don't miss a second of, of the action. Yeah. Um, speaking of the action, let's talk a little bit about the action that's about to, uh, you know, ensue uh the jazz season getting ready to start this week um broad strokes what do you expect from utah this year tyler you know i think i'm going to go a different direction than what a lot of people are saying right now i think after the second half of last year there was a, there's been a lot of hype about the potential of this team and i agree there's a lot of potential um i think i'm going to be a little bit more um reasonable and say that the jazz are probably going to end up let's say top four in the West. Um, I think, I, th I think I've, this is just, you know, pure speculation, but I'm just going to say four or maybe even fifth seed. Um, I, I know that's uh, probably a disappointing take um, since we're hearing, you know, they could be a two seed or a three seed. Um, I think those are possibilities. I mean, there's a lot of other good teams. I think there's health concerns that, that could come up. I think there's a lot of, a lot of things that we don't know unknowns about Minnesota and Jimmy Butler. Um, and how good Denver could be after taking a leap. There's the Lakers, um, you know, and, and further than that, there's, there's also, we already knew going into this season that this is kind of the, I know we've bumped up the developmental curve and trying to push things forward, but this is kind of the last year to see how this team gels together before we have space and can make some moves for next year. And I think that um, as much as we want it to be this year, I think that next year is really the year. Um, and this is another year to watch, and just enjoy as, as the team gels together and as Donovan grows. Yeah. No, I don't think that's a crazy take at all. And in fact, I think, um, so the path to success in the NBA is hardly ever as linear 
as people would like it to be. For the most part, you know, you you have to go get your butt kicked a couple of times um, before you're really, you know, in the position to get on top of the mountain. And I, you know, I don't know what that means for the Jazz this year. I personally, I do have them slotted as somewhere between a two and a four seed. I think three or four would be most likely. But here's what I think could very well happen, and and that I I'm not sure enough fans are mentally preparing themselves for. The Jazz could be a three seed. Take on and take on like, you know, just for example, a forty-seven win, sixth-seeded Laker team with LeBron James, and LeBron could put the team on his back, and the Jazz could be out in the first round. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And I wouldn't necessarily even look at that in in the grand scheme of things as like a huge waste of a season or a, or a missed opportunity like i think that's what you do when you're when your core is all you know 21 to 26 years old you go get your butt kicked you learn what that's like and you get ready and and then maybe someday you can beat the lebrons of the world and and um you know i do think that the jazz are going to be better than the lakers throughout the course of the season i think they're going to be better than the nuggets i think they're going to be better than the blazers but i also think that you know, any of those teams could catch lightning in a bottle over a two-week span and make life difficult for the Jazz. Um, and even the Thunder, you know, people like to talk as though the Jazz have sort of just checked the box next to the Thunder's name. That's not usually how rivalries work between teams in a similar tier. Like, there could be some push and pull in the Jazz-Thunder rivalry, as, as you've written about recently, Tyler. They're much more equal than people want to assume. Exactly. They think, oh, we beat them, so it's done, and it's not the case. I think they're much more... And with the the team change, I know Andre Robertson being out makes things a little bit different, um, at least for the first part of the season. But the Thunder, before they added Mello last year, um, like David Locke, for example, had them pegged as um, I think the second or third seed in the in the West, and mm. probably their third seed. And uh, they're they're just at that same level now. Um, they added some more backcourt depth. Um, you know, I don't know how much Nerlens Noel is going to help them, but uh, he's there as well. Um, Amadou, yeah, Amadou Diallo looks really good. Um, yeah. You know, it looks like he'll be rotation quality anyway, which that's a position where people wondered if they had enough enough depth. And all of a sudden, a, a minimum contract guy kind of comes out of nowhere in the preseason and looks like a like a viable option for them. So I, I'm with you. I, I, think, um, I think that the Jazz can make progress in the long haul and still have a year where things don't necessarily follow the, the best case scenario for this season. And, um, and people, people just need to be okay if that happens. I'm not saying it will. I'm not saying that's my prediction. I think the Jazz will be good. Um, but, you know, to get from point A to point Z in the NBA, you, you usually got to go through some steps. Yeah, and, and I will say this. I, I think that we're all looking at the end of last season and how close the race was for the playoffs. Um, in my experience, at least in you know the past 20 years that I've been paying attention, um, that's like one of the closest races I've ever seen. And I, I'd be surprised, even if there's a lot of really good teams, if it's if it's really anything that close again. Um, that just seemed really weird to me. I don't know if I'm alone in thinking that, but um, it just doesn't seem like we're... I mean, I think it will definitely be close, but I don't think we're talking about three-way ties and um, do-or-die game on the for the eighth seed and things like that. That was pretty... Um, pretty intense last season. And, and I don't know if it'll end up like that. Maybe we'll have a couple teams fall apart. Maybe we'll just have a, a bigger spread. I'm not sure, but that's my gut is that it's not going to be as close as we, we think it might be this year. Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, 
um, it was such a, a an unprecedented thing to have three through nine in the same conference be all crowded there between 46 and 49 wins. You know, the Jazz are good. I think they're going to be one of the best four teams in the Western Conference. I also just don't think that guarantees them anything when the postseason hits. So we'll see how it plays out. Like you said, they could hit um, LeBron or Anthony Davis or, or something like that and be one of these other teams that have hit those walls in the playoffs in the past. Toronto last year, for example. Um, they may end up disappointed facing a huge MVP-level talent in the yeah. playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I don't think this is the year for the Jazz. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I think that they'll be, I think that they'll be in that kind of quasi contender tier, um, which means if things break really right, a lot of good things could happen. If things break a little bit wrong, you know, that's, I guess my point is just that I think that this is a high variance year for Utah and it's not necessarily a failure if they make progress on, in some of the areas they need to be, make progress, figure out their identity and then, you know, lose in the first round or whatever. I mean, just look at the, you know, you, we were talking about the Carl and John Jazz earlier. Just look at just look at their year by year. Like, conference finals, first round exit. Conference semis, conference semis again. Back to the conference finals, second round exit. You know, like, it just, it happens. That's part of, that's part of the deal, um, especially when you... <laughs> and all of that conference. led me to be a natural, a natural cynic and skeptic now <laughs> about the Jazz. That's, that's what that led to. There you go. Well, real quick before we let you go, one thing I, I wanted to ask you, because I, I don't know that I've ever even asked you this like face-to-face. Actually, for folks listening, Tyler is um, like me. He's a Brooklyn-based jazz fan. So we're bringing up the fandom rate of the Utah Jazz here in Kings County, New York. Um, <laughs> we play basketball. Tyler nails threes in my face. He's got this kind of non-traditional shooting stroke. He brings his shot up kind of from the side and you're like, Oh, you know, he's not gonna, no, it went in. So he, um, so yeah, we, we play ball a little bit, whatever. We've, we've had lunch a couple times in the city and I don't think I've ever asked you, who's your guy like on this jazz team, who's the guy, whether it's, you know, the, the player who you just kind of irrationally like, that's the, that's the dude who your eyes follow whenever he's on the court, who you're most interested in, who you've kind of fallen in, in love with the most as a, as a fan and analyst, like who's the jazz player currently that just, uh, that's your, I, I guess your, your basketball man crush. <laughs> uh, to be honest, it, I mean, Gordon Hayward was the guy, <laughs> uh, maybe he shouldn't have been, maybe, uh, maybe I should have seen through his facade. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, um, I think Derek favors is, is always that one. He's just, he's very stoic, um, a little bit like Gordon Hayward that way, but I think it's, a little bit more of a humility. Um, I got my wife uh, his jersey, and she wears it proudly every Jazz game. Um, and then, of course, uh, I was I was setting up last last year to uh, you know just kind of enjoy the Jazz and and as a young team, Rudy was awesome, all of that. And and Donovan brought back a, a fire about the Jazz that you know we haven't seen forever. I know that's all we've talked about, but um, I mean that's kind of that's kind of what it is now. But then there's that irrational side where for the last, you know, four seasons or whatever that, that I've been watching Dante Exum. And um, I get excited for whatever, you know, 10 to 15 minutes he's on the court and waiting for something to happen. And I'm still waiting, um, but I hope that we get something this year. All right. Well, good answers. I would weigh in on those, but we're, we're probably at time already. <laughs> um, I think you and everybody else in the known jazz universe knows that I also am waiting on the Dante Exum front. I, I thought he had a good preseason, though. I'm excited. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll see what happens. All right, that's Tyler Crandall, uh, TJ Cranman on Twitter. You can catch his stuff at Salt City Hoops this uh, this season. He will mostly be writing on uh, on Wednesdays, right? Yeah, Wednesdays. Yeah, so you'll you'll mostly be hearing from Tyler around the middle of the week. Um, but we're uh, Tyler. We're lucky to have you. Thanks for joining us, and uh, see what's ahead for the Jazz. All right, thanks, Dan. Thanks. excited now to welcome in someone who is a prolific and terrific writer. Someone whose writing has become as synonymous with Salt City Hoops as just about anyone. Clint Johnson last year covered a ton of the Utah Jazz season for us at Salt City Hoops. Um, brought games to life for fans, analyzed players, looked at big picture issues. Uh, just a, a real um, jack-of-all-trades, and master-of-all-trades in terms of covering the jazz for us here at saltcityhoops.com. So, Clint, we're lucky to have you, and it's uh, it's fun to get a chance to actually talk jazz for a change. Usually we uh, we communicate a ton all in uh, clickety-clackety version. Yeah, it, it is fun. It's a, it's nice to get a chance to, to just kind of talk off the cuff about a really, really exciting subject. It's about as exciting as you're going to get right now for the jazz. Yeah, they're they're kind of darlings right now. Um, you know, some power rankings came out today that had them. Um, one version had them as high as number two in the West, but almost universally, people say that they project to be a home court team. Um, I I don't know. You you there, or or does that kind of stuff make you nervous? Um, it makes me a little nervous just because the West is so incredibly stacked. Um, I mean, I think you could make an argument. There's really only two teams in the West that are realistically like not going to compete for a, a playoff spot. That's a lot of competition. But that being said, I think the the Jazz completely deserve the hype that they're getting, and so uh, I think that anything short of home court uh, would definitely be a disappointment. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So help me then with with my big conundrum of the week because. Um... And, and I'm totally just like joking and using this as a, as a tool to like um, force you into maybe a little bit of a prediction prediction here. But the jazz over under okay. is set. Um, the jazz over under is set at 49 and a half wins. So help me advise me. I mean, I love the jazz and I would tell anyone who loves the jazz. My heart says go over that number in the West. If I were betting money, I'd probably go under that number hmm. just because I, I think that it's going to be really, really tough. <clears throat> um, no, second thought, I would go over that number. I, I think low 50s is probably where they'll end up. Um, the one caveat to that is if Gobert were to get hurt again, um, that would really make me nervous. So I, I think he'll stay healthy. I, I believe that he will. I think that the the injuries have sometimes been a little freak accident. So I'd say low 50s is is where I would go in terms of ma- making a bet. See, you you absolutely just spelled out the conundrum because that's exactly where I've been um all week. I think 49.5 is a little low in terms of like, you know, the Jazz project in different models anywhere from like 52 wins to 55 wins. Um so I think right. betting the over is pretty safe, but then I just think to myself, man, you know, one thing goes wrong in this Western Conference, and 52 turns into 47 really fast. And and the Jazz saw that last year, and it's so it's not like it would be hard for anyone to imagine things going south in that way for Utah. 
That's true. But I mean, that's true for other teams as well. I mean, uh, how Russell Westbrook comes off of his surgery, um, as well as Andre Roberson for uh, OKC. We've already seen injuries hit uh, San Antonio. Um, and so I, I think that one argument in the Jazz favor is that if it's anyone other than Gobert and probably Mitchell, they're as deep as any team in the league. And so you could make an argument that outside of injuries to those two, they'd be better able to withstand uh, loss of a couple of key players. Yeah. So so, so maybe, the, maybe the smarter way to do this is to stay away from the over-under and instead get really <laughs> gutsy and just go Utah Jazz to win the division plus 220. So, you know, bet 10. There bet, you go. Bet yeah. 10. Bet yeah. 10 big smackers and get 22 back if you win. You get 22 back plus your 10. So, you know, it pays, yeah, pays triple great. if you win. There you go. All right. Well, it's it's settled. Um, well, okay, cool. Here's one thing I don't think I've ever asked you in, in all the, and I don't think it's ever necessarily come out in your writing, which is which is probably a, a good sign of your objectivity. But um, who's the guy for you? Like who on this current jazz, who's the player who you just kind of have this irrational or rational love affair with you know the guy who either you know is is your favorite because he's the best in objective or subjective terms or just the guy that you kind of have the little basketball related crush on and and because of that your eyes follow him whenever whenever he's on the court and you just really are interested to see what happens when he's out there it's Derek favors um I've loved Derek Favors ever since he was traded as a rookie, and all of the 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 many many things that have happened as he's become tenured man on the on the team have just deepened my appreciation for him. Um, he never he never turned into and won't turn into that twenty twenty and ten player that so many uh, of us wanted and thought that he could uh, become. But I'll tell you what I I so appreciate that he does so many little things. Like, for example, there are very few players in the league that box out as religiously as he does. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't get um, <clears throat> it doesn't get any hype. You know, um, it doesn't open the stat sheet very much. But uh, whether it's, you know, his ability to slide his feet when he's um, giving Quinn Snyder lots of different ways to play the pick and roll, whether it's his willingness to box out, whether it's his willingness to go from, you know, I'm a pick and roll power forward to no, you've got to develop a post game to no, you've got to develop a mid range shot to no, you've got to hit the corner three. And he, he just does his best over and over and over again. And I, no player other than maybe Alec Burks has been asked to kind of change the multifaceted aspects of his role as much as favors. And he just never complains. Um, I just, I, I enjoy watching him play and I want nothing for the better the best for favors all right good answer actually you're you're the second person to bring up favors um although that might be a spoiler because i still don't know which order i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, pile <laughs> these together on in the uh so if uh if we if you haven't heard someone else mention favors that might be in your near future which i which i actually think is cool because i appreciate fave a lot too um you know i was covering the jazz from close when favor not from 2000 miles away when favors arrived um, and just right off the bat, you're, you're right. He's just, he's just always been so capable, not just physically, but mentally to, to understand how to contribute to games. And, you know, the anecdote that I remember that, that probably most people know, unless, unless you're, you know, except for folks who maybe 
newer to following the jazz. But um, in in that era, the the end of the Jerry Sloan era into the Ty Corbin era, the way that the jazz measured defense was to have their um, their basketball ops guys go in and literally track every single play defensively and give a player a pass fail grade on a on a per play basis. So on that defensive play, uh, Derek Favors did his job. Um, Devin Harris didn't a little bit, so he gets a fail on that play, and Raja Bell did, and and so it was just like a yes-no for everybody, and then at the end of a game, at the end of a week, at the end of a month, at the end of a season, they would tally that up, and they would say, who who did the right thing the highest percentage of the time? And Derek Favors, let's remember, he arrived in Utah in the middle of his rookie season. He was 19 years old. He'd been playing professional basketball for like three months at that point. And dang it, if he didn't lead the rankings, you know, lead a bunch of veterans and and just really right off the bat show that he had an understanding of how to defend correctly in a system that he had just been dropped into in the middle of a season. So, uh, so I, you know, I, I think you're right. I think favors is way more important than, than a lot of people realize even. Yeah, I agree. And a couple other things that people should look out for is just pay attention to his outlet passing. He's not Kevin Love, but he's he's got consistently better at it. And also notice how when he blo- um when he gets a block, he keeps it in bounds. He keeps it in play. But he's kind of like Tim Duncan in that um he's not gonna, you know, volleyball spike it like like Rudy is, but he usually keeps him in play, which gives uh the Jazz a competitive advantage. Yeah, true. But the point is the Jazz are pretty dang lucky to have two players of that caliber manning really 48 minutes of center plus obviously the the minutes that they that they play together. Well, very cool. Um, um, thanks for everything you do. You've become just a huge indispensable part of Salt City Hoops. Um, we're really lucky to have you and uh, and for those of you listening, you can catch Clint. Uh, he'll be he'll be writing pretty much weekly for us this season. You can mostly catch him on Tuesdays. We may occasionally switch things around if we need to, but uh, you'll you'll be hearing from Clint quite a lot, which is good news for us and good news for you. Clint, thanks for joining me. All right. Hey, thanks, Dan. Uh, enjoy the season, everybody. It's going to be uh, something to talk about. For sure. And we'll do that right here at Salt City Hoops. Really excited now to be joined by Steve Godfrey. Steve is... Uh, one of our not brand new but newish writers at Salt City Hoops. He was part of the team last season and did great work throughout the course of the season. He covered a lot of games for us. He did a lot of smart analysis um, and and really just brought a unique voice to the table. Um, Steve's a fun writer. He's a good writer and uh, and he's passionate about the Utah Jazz, obviously. So Steve, we're lucky to have you, and it's fun to get to chat this way for a change. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited too. I I certainly do love jazz and i'm looking forward to this upcoming season it's gonna be fun so uh let's talk about your uh your superhero origin story a little bit so tell tell our friends uh at salt city hoops um either dealer's choice i'll let you decide um either tell us how you became a jazz fan which may or may not be um a little a little obvious given where you reside um, or, or tell us how you were, how we were lucky enough to get you at Salt City Hoops. Cool. Well, um, or both, I mean, you know, knock, knock yourself out, you know, we're, we're having yeah, fun here. I'm going to, I'm going to, 
I'm going to pick the first. I actually grew up in Oregon. And oh. so I, I do have a, a jazz origin story um, an of Oregon, not being... An Oregon origin yeah, story. Yeah, exactly. All right. I, uh, my parents were obviously from Utah, and, uh, you know, my dad was a jazz fan. And so as I was growing up, that uh, that filtered down onto me. But I have a few memories of uh, being a jazz fan in Oregon. I I remember at recess in elementary school we we would pick who we were going to be as we played a uh, basketball on the playground and um i would always i would say john stockton and all of these blazer kids were were kind of clueless you know as eight nine ten year olds are and just didn't know who i was who i was and uh, i remember having to defend my choice of john stockton you know having to tell them that you know he was the best point guard ever and uh, in my little third grade perspective. Um, and then around that time, you know, is when the Jazz made the finals. And the other early memory I have is that uh, my dad was a school teacher. And he, he apparently bragged to all of his classes about the Jazz being in the finals and not the Blazers and that the Jazz actually had a chance to beat the Bulls that second round and, and he was pretty confident feeling good about it. And so, um, you know, we watched those games and I was just a little kid, but, um, what was more traumatizing to me than, uh, than the shot than Jordan's famous shot was, uh, was afterwards. Um, a few of my dad's students called <clears throat> our house and, uh, my dad didn't answer, you know, we had caller ID he didn't answer it and it went straight to straight to voicemail and uh they left all these messages just kind of rubbing it in and uh and throwing shade at my dad and talking about how the jazz suck and you know jordan's the best ever and i just i remember after one one of those phone calls i just ran straight to my room bawling hysterically and punching my pillow just so mad that we lost but also at these kids who were just Rubbing it in, rubbing the salt in the wound, the fresh wound, you know? See, I was going to say poor Mr. Godfrey, but really it's poor Steve. I mean, yeah. you, it sounds like you took the front of it. It hurt. It hurt. I was I, I was probably like eight or nine years old, but man, it hurt. Yeah, yeah. I was relieved that you said John Stockton because I know that you're considerably younger than I am. So I thought you were yeah. going to be like, you know, oh yeah, I used to pretend to be like, Keith McLeod or something, and then I would have just felt old. So, um, no, Mo Williams. Actually. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Any of those like sixteen point guards to have uh, started games for the Jazz in between uh, yeah. Darren Williams and um, and who you know who's that guy now? Oh yeah, Ricky Rubio. Um, Man, so, there's so many of those guys. Oh, it's been quite the parade. Um, so, but that parade ends with, uh, a smiling man bun, Ricky Rubio waving a fan. So let's talk about this current version of the jazz. Um, big picture. What, what do you expect this year? Even more projections came out with some very bullish, uh, you know, predictions for the jazz. 538 has them at 55 wins and actually decent like finals and titles odds too. So does stuff like that make you, are, are you at a point yet where you're nervous about all the positive attention or are you all there for it? No, I, I, I'm, I'm in the middle, right? I, I definitely am 
am anxious and nervous about all of these high expectations, but I still believe that we're going to be able to, um, to reach them. Um, I've kind of been thinking and saying for a while now that I, I, I really truly believe, um, that the jazz are, uh, are close to the rockets. I, I want to say that the jazz are, um, better, but I, but, but what would be more appropriate is that the jazz have, um, decreased the gap that's between them and the Rockets. The the Jazz are, are right there as one of the second best teams in the Western Conference. And I, I really am thinking that. Um, and, and that's what I, I, you know, I think second seed is a little bit too high, but then I still think that it's it's reasonable. And if, if these projections hold true at, you know, 55, 56 wins, like I don't, I don't see why the Jazz couldn't be right there when the playoffs turn around. Yeah, I, so I think I'm with you in terms of, um, you know, I, I think that they have closed the gap. I'm not quite ready to say that they're there with the Rockets yet. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, I think mm-hmm. there, are other, there are other teams that will be, um, you know, battling for the same 50 to 55 win record like Oklahoma City. I think, mm-hmm. I think Denver's going to be good. Um, you know, outside of that, it probably depends on what happens with like, the Jimmy Butler situation and, and, you know, if LeBron gets some help and whatever, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, to me, I think 55, 56 wins is, is kind of everything goes right territory for the jazz. And I think 55 Absolutely. wins is like the wheels have come off the car in Houston number of wins too. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, well, well I, part of, part of my Houston, argument i mean I've, I've obviously the the ones that are out there is that they lost their depth and and maybe a little bit of their defense but i also think that like last year for houston was just almost like an everything went right for them i mean chris paul did lose did miss a few games uh more than a few games during the regular season but like james harden was amazing he won the mvp the the offense was historic they kind of just went all out and i'm just not sure if they can replicate that two times you know two years in a row yeah, I also I, wonder, like, with Chris Paul. No, sorry to cut you off. No, go for it. Go for it. I, I wonder if you know if they kind of are going to learn a lesson, like last year that he that Chris Paul burned out in the playoffs and got that injury, and if they're going to be more conservative during the regular season, and that the win totals won't be as important to them um, because the playoffs is you know going to be what matters most when it comes down to it. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear that. Um... By by the way, I'm not I'm not arguing with your with your point, but um, Jeff Van Gundy, yeah. <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy had a hilarious rant about that very point on Zach Lowe's podcast, most recent podcast. Okay. So if if you or if any of our list, listeners are interested in hearing, yeah, I'll you have know, to go check that Jeff out. Jeff Van Gundy do an, an old guy, uh, old school, get off my lawn rant, um, which I like fifty percent agree with. By the way, but I, but I think you're right. I think they'll be careful. I, I think they'll manage. James Harden um, a little bit more closely because they want him to be as good in May as he is in January. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I guess to me, I just, you know, I like Trevor Ariza. I'm a Trevor Ariza fan. I like Luke Mahamute. I like these guys. I mm-hmm. think that for the most part, when you're talking about, you know, getting out of a, getting out of a second round series, if you have the best two players on the court, 
you're probably going to win more often than not. So, so I guess to me, the question is how much of Chris Paul and how much of James Harden, but especially Chris Paul, because you know, we're talking about a guy in his mid thirties now, how much of Chris Paul do you Mm -hmm. have left in, in May? Is he still Mm -hmm. one of the two best players on the court or does it go James Harden and then Rudy and then Chris Paul and then Donovan or, you know, like, I, I think that is what will be interesting to see, but I, I still think that they, um, I still think that they have 55 wins in them as, as almost a floor. Sure. And admittedly, and maybe, you know, more objectively speaking, right. I'm, I'm talking regular season success, right. If I'm predicting who's going to be the better regular season team, I'm, I'm thinking the jazz are, but who would I still bank on in the playoffs? Right. Like you're saying, they still have James Harden and Chris Paul. I I would lean towards Houston as the okay. better. Yeah, that's true. You did you say know, you did say second seed. So see, I'm just like cha- I'm moving the goalposts on you. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean the Jazz do they they will have a chance. They will be favorites to get a, a top four seed, and that's um, that's exciting after you know where things were in mid January, right? Exactly, and and even the off season before, right? No one even saw last year coming. I feel like so. Yeah. It is exciting to be back in this position. Well, we're excited to have you to uh, to help bring some of that excitement to our readers. Um, you can follow Steve at stgodfrey12. That's 12 like John Stockton, who he, I'm sure, did a fantastic impression of on the third ground. That's third right, grade exactly. Uh, you'll also mm-hmm. hear from Steve, uh, you know, about weekly at telltcityhoops.com. Mm-hmm. You'll... Uh, You'll hear from him mostly on Thursdays, but, you know, occasionally we'll switch things around. Um, so, we, Steve, we look forward to reading your work. We look forward to interacting out on Twitter.com, and uh, we're, we're thrilled to have you. Sweet. Thanks, Dan, for the time, and, yeah, look forward to talk to Jazz Nation along the way. Sounds great. All right, that'll do it for this episode. I want to thank Clint, Steve, Tyler, and Jimbo for joining, in this, joining us in this special edition of the Salt City Hoops podcast. Hopefully you got to know those four a little better. Like I said, they will be four of the writers you'll be you'll be hearing from and, and reading their work most often at saltcityhoops.com, but just a, a small representation of the great team that'll be doing fantastic work throughout the course of the regular season. And hopefully throughout the, the year, we'll hear from those folks in, uh, in podcasts as well. So uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, here we go. Utah basketball just ahead. 